Welcome to Indispensable, where we provide you with evidence-based medication advice so that you can feel empowered about your own health. I'm your host, Anna Barwick, and I'm an experienced clinical pharmacist, academic and PhD candidate. Join me as we hear from the medication experts, pharmacists. Episode 4, Men's Health, The P Word. Brad Butt is the managing partner of Coolman Court Pharmacy in the ACT and the founder of Men's Health Down Under, a pharmacist-led initiative which assists men with their urological health Australia-wide. Brad is a passionate community pharmacist with a strong clinical background who takes pride in supporting the health of his patients and the wider community. Brad's special interest areas include men's urological health and the management of blood cancers. Brad is a young dad and he's joined us today to tell us a little bit more about some of the P words that get avoided in men's health. So the prostate, the penis and Peyronie's disease. I'm going to pop a few links into the show notes that include a link to Brad's Men's Health Down Under website as well as his five indispensable tips for men's health. I hope you enjoy this episode. So Brad, you're very much a specialist in men's health. So tell me, what are some of the common conditions that men um, experience and that you've seen in your practice? Certainly, yeah. So here in Canberra, we see a lot of men for men's urological issues primarily. So I suppose when you reference men's health, the first thing that comes to mind for me is the urological issues or issues that pertain to the penis or, or the male anatomy. So you know, we're talking things like erectile dysfunction, prostate cancer, low testosterone um, or hypogonadism, um, Peyronie's disease, incontinence, buried penis. There's a whole bunch of um, issues that, that can occur for men and they're quite specific to men and um, they can have quite an impact on their life if they're not managed in a, in a good manner. Absolutely. So let's start out with prostate cancer. You know, from my reading, it's actually far more common than even breast cancer in Australia, which is surprising to me. So tell me a little bit more about uh, the, you know, how often prostate cancer occurs and, and what kind of what men will experience if they, you know, potentially have prostate cancer. Absolutely. So I guess it's important to note that in Australia, there's roughly 20,000 cases of prostate cancer diagnosed annually. And of that 20,000, about half of them have a prostatectomy. Now, prostatectomy is where the urologist removes the prostate. So similar, we talk about breast cancer. If you have a mastectomy, they remove the breasts. In this case, the men have their prostate removed. And it's quite an invasive um, procedure. But the cure rate from having a prostatectomy is quite high, which is great. So it means that men can have their prostate removed and then hopefully be cancer-free um, and have a, a long and healthy life. Um, I, I think it's a bit of a misnomer now to, um, but there's a, there was a belief that you died with prostate cancer, not from prostate cancer. The unfortunate thing about, about that is as we all live longer, more and more men were dying and are dying of prostate cancer. So you know, it's um, one thing to have your prostate out, but it's another thing to then deal with the ramifications of that. And often, often for men that, have, that don't have their surgery, they can um, go on medication and that can make them feel pretty ordinary too. Absolutely. And so it, it seems to be more common with age too. Is that right? Is that one of the risk factors? Yeah, look, age is certainly a risk factor for prostate cancer. And, and interestingly on that point, if you had a, a mother with breast cancer or a father with prostate cancer, the likelihood of you having prostate cancer is higher and it's often at an earlier age. So for people in those, in those categories, you know, they might be starting to get their, their prostate checks or their 
their PSA, their blood test done from age 40 even. Wow. So just talking about that, that prostate test, um, one of the other things that often comes along with that diagnosis is a digital rectal examination. Um, you know, what's involved in that? I know a lot of men kind of, uh, you know, tend to avoid it. Uh, yeah, look, I think um, it, it, the digital rectal exam, um, as highlighted by Julia Gillard's partner a few years ago, it, you know, it's where the, the, the doctor checks the prostate, which they do by putting their finger up the, up the rectal passage. They can feel the prostate because um, it just sits inside the rectal passage. And, you know, often if there's issues, they can, the doctor can feel that it's enlarged or feel nodules on the prostate. Um, interestingly, though, it's probably gone a little out of vogue, the digital rectal exam. It's still used quite widely, but the, I guess they're probably tending to use things like um, the prostate, the, the PSA test, which is a blood test now, more and more. Um, and then they might do a little bit of confirmation with a digital rectal exam. Absolutely. So that's, yeah, the prostate-specific antigen test, which is just a blood test. Yes. Um, and so then potentially there's also a biopsy um, involved in that as well too, if, if, you know, things are not looking like they are normal. Yeah, that's right. So that would normally be, the patient would normally be picked up at the GP's office with an elevated PSA blood test and then they'd, or, you know, and it might, it might jump sharply. That's normally what we're looking for. And then they'd be referred to their urologist and the urologist normally initiates those um, biopsies of the prostate. And that can be quite an experience for the men um, to take the biopsy. It's, um, it's often done under an MRI. So it's a, a special, um, a special test where the where they can more accurately take pieces of the prostate out and then check them for the cancerous cells. Um, that's generally done uh, up the urethra, so up the the, the uh, pipe work in the penis, or it can be done via the rectum. Uh, but it's probably done more frequently via the urethra these days than via the rectum. Interesting. Okay. And so, what kind of symptoms will men uh, potentially, you know, might suggest that they actually may need to go and have a check done? It's a really good question, Anna, and, and it can be very nondescript. Some men can be diagnosed with prostate cancer without having any symptoms, which is quite scary. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of men are picked up because they've got some urine, some urine flow issues, but that can be a symptom of, of age, unfortunately. They call it benign prostatic hyperplasia, or BPH, which is essentially swelling of the prostate. And interestingly, if you're 50 years of age, your inc the incidence of BPH, or swelling of the prostate, is about 50%. When you're 75 years of age, it's 75%. And if you're 100, the chances of you having a swollen prostate or BPH are pretty much 100%. So it can be confusing. And BPH, the swelling of the prostate, it's often non-cancerous and it's quite benign. It's not going to hurt you. So some of the symptoms like that impaired flow, and we often talk about men having to get up multiple times at night to empty the bladder. They may not have a strong stream. Those sorts of things can be an indication that something's up, but, but invariably not. It's just, you know, swelling of the prostate, but an absolutely a good referral point for men to go and talk to their doctor because we know men will put off seeing their doctor for things that they don't think are particularly important. Yeah. And I wanted to ask about that too, Brad, because I think, you know, statistically we know men are more likely to delay going to get assistance and, and get, um, you know, help with a medical condition. And they often then, unfortunately, you know, usually have more advanced disease. So what can, um, you know, partners or other family members do to try and encourage that um, for men to kind of go and get that help when they need it? I think it's a real change. It need, we need to shift the shift the paradigm from women being the, the healthcare providers and 
homekeepers to being the women being a supportive um, partner. And I think typically women have encouraged their men um, in, in that heterosexual relationship to seek help. Uh, but, but often it goes sort of unheeded or they, they put it off because they're too busy with work or family or sport or whatever it might be. So mm. it's a really tricky one. And um, I think the more that we can help educate our men as, to, as health practitioners, as pharmacists or doctors or urologists, to help educate them as to what they need to be aware of. You know, sometimes I think education is the critical piece. And if men know that, you know, getting up to go to the toilet four, four or five times at night is, is abnormal and that mm. it, can be a, it can cause a problem for them, then they're more likely to see their, their doctor and ask for assistance. And I think it's, um, you often need a motivating factor to make you go to the doctor. And I suppose in our men's health space, the motivate, motivating factor is that if left unchecked, these things can affect your erectile function. Mm. And jokes, jokes aside, erectile function is part of being a male. And, um, and if we lose that, you know, it can have flow-on effects. So that's one of the, one of the ways I, I get the guys to see, the, see their doctors by talking about erectile health. And if we neglect our general health, it can impact on our, on our erectile health. And that could be high blood pressure, high cholesterol, diabetes, you know, prostate issues, all of those things uh, can have an impact on erectile function, which is a great motivator to get a, a male patient to, to talk to their doctor. Indispensable advice for you. You know, looking more at erectile dysfunction, is it um, particularly common? Erectile dysfunction is relatively common and it's, it, the incidence is about a thousand men at any one point. Uh, in time in Australia would be suffering with erectile issues. And um, that can be of a psychological um, nature where being, you know, in their brain, they, 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 they've had some trouble with erectile issues and then that can play on their confidence. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it can also be um, because they've got you know, blood flow issues or, or other medical issues that are happening uh, that, are, that, are, that are affecting their ability to get an erection. So, yeah, probably more common than, than men think. And interestingly, when we talk to the men, they feel like they're the only, the only bloke in, in, in Canberra or in, in their town that's got it. And, you know, I think we've all felt like that when we've had something wrong with our health or we're worried about ourselves. We think we're on our own, but very common. And um, we've got some really good options out there that can help men that are suffering with erectile issues. Absolutely. And so there are medications that are available. What else can, you know, be some treatment options for this particular condition? Look, it would be, it would be wrong of us to, to rely on medication. Certainly medication has its place yes. and you know, medications, you know, like the good old Viagra, everybody's familiar with Viagra, mm -hmm. um, to use a brand name. Yes, it has its place and it'll work quite nicely for most men. Of course, they need to make sure that it's appropriate for them with the doctor. It would be wrong of us not to look at other underlying health issues. So, you know, maybe there's some blood pressure issues that need to be addressed, or high cholesterol. Maybe you've got some diabetes, and if we manage those issues, we can actually find that erectile function um, can get stronger, which is obviously the best option for us. So, if we can treat the problem, uh, treat the cause rather than the problem, we can often get better results. And I think that's a really salient point from the conversation today. Is Treating, treating symptoms is one thing, but actually addressing the underlying cause um, is often a better way to manage a problem. Absolutely. I love that. And so obviously going into that is, you know, having things like a nutritious diet, you know, reducing um, excessive, um, you know, fat intake um, and yeah. physical activity as well, I imagine would help with this too. Absolutely. And I think um, the, the other one perhaps you haven't mentioned, we've, we've missed there is smoking and um, oh, alcohol intake. Um, and 
you know, smoking and alcohol intake, um, in addition to um, poor dietary decisions and, and putting on weight, you know, those things can really impact on, on erectile function and performance. And um, absolutely, we need to address them before we, um, before we delve into trying to fix it with medication. Absolutely. And I mean, pharmacists can help with that too, can't, can't we? We can, you know, make some recommendations that's individualised. So, you know, if you, we say, okay, we want you to do some physical activity, but, you know, your knee's not real good. Well, you know, have, can we look at swimming or, or looking at a low impact um, exercise that kind of helps with that? Um, and I, uh, yeah, I think people maybe don't realise that we can do that as pharmacists and help with weight and help with quitting smoking and, you know, having a discussion about alcohol intake as well. Yeah, look, you're absolutely right, Anne. And I guess um, pharmacists are ideally positioned and they're very accessible um, yes. to speak to. A lot of pharmacies now have got quiet or private spaces to have conversations, which I think is really important in this space because, you know, talking about these sorts of issues on the, on the pharmacy floor can be a bit difficult. Um, yes. But also pharmacists are well connected with other allied health um, practitioners as well. And to be able to say, you know what, um, Mr. Physiotherapist down the street, you know, or, or you know, the, the the dietitian that practices over over there, you know, is actually really nice to be able to give those referrals to. And pharmacists are, are well connected in that space. Absolutely, and I know that you know you're coming to us from your own um, private uh, counselling room at the moment, which is fantastic. So we know they're existing in pharmacy, which is wonderful. <laughs> now, another one I hadn't heard of, Brad, um, is, or I hadn't probably thought of for a, a little while, probably since I did um, my own undergraduate study, is Peyronie's disease. Um, what's involved in that condition? Yeah, a good question. Peyronie's disease is, um, is a bend uh, in the penis, and uh, it's relatively common, more common than perhaps most people would think. The incidence of Peyronie's disease, the bend in the penis, is about 16% of Australian men. Now, wow. most men have a little bit of curvature in their penis, and typically the, the penis would curve slightly upwards. Um, and I think most men would be familiar with that. And that's in the, that's in the erect state, um, as opposed to the, the flaccid state. So typically in the flaccid state, you don't notice a great deal, but as the penis becomes erect, the, the bend becomes more prevalent. And it's, um, it's because of some, they call it fibrotic, um, or plaque tissue that can occur in the, the tissue of the penis that it's a bit, I, I liken it to blowing up a party balloon, like one of those sausage-like balloons. If you, if mm -hmm. you blow it up with air, when it's, when it's nice and healthy, it blows out nice and straight. But if you pinch that balloon on the side in the, in the empty state and then try and blow it up, it will, it will bend to the, to the side that, the, that you've pinched the balloon. And, um, and look, it can cause all sorts of issues with, with respect to erectile function, um, in some cases, but, but pain is, is quite common, um, shortening of the penis. Uh, and for some men, it can be so bad that um, penetrative sex is actually um, beyond, beyond their ability. Essential, knowledgeable, indispensable, your pharmacist. Right. And so what treatments are available for that? Peyronie's disease is typically managed by the urologist as well. There's, um, there's been a bit of a shift in the way that it was managed. They had, they had previously been injecting some medication into the plaque to help um, soften and dissolve it, um, which there was some problems with, um, and, and that's probably gone out of vogue a little. We, in our practice here, we're tending to see a lot of patients using traction devices. And by traction devices, 
I mean a device that, that clips around the base of the penis and the head of the penis or the glands of the penis and it stretches the penis out. Um, they work fairly well, but you have to be compliant with it. And one of the things we know is that wearing it for four hours a day, this traction device stretching the penis out, it, it can be a challenge for men and they're typically going to be wearing the device four hours a day for up to six months. Wow. So that can be a bit of a hard slog. The other thing that we tend to encourage men to, to talk to their, their doctors about if they're coming to us with queries about peronies is the use of some medications that help with blood flow into the penis. And the two that we tend to use are a group of medication called PDE5 inhibitors. Mm -hmm. um, a PDE5 inhibitor, a good example of that is Cialis or Viagra. And these medications help with the increase of blood flow into the penis they also make the blood vessels really healthy. They've got what's called an endothelial effect. And the endothelial, endothelial effect is important because it's part of the blood vessel that takes the oxygen out of the blood and puts it in the tissue. And we need to make sure that there's plenty of oxygen in the, in the penis tissue to help repair that damage to the tissue. Mm -hmm. uh, the other one is called pentoxfaline or Trentil. And it's an old drug we used to use for heart problems, but equally it helps with getting oxygen into the tissue. And if we put oxygen in the tissue, we can repair it better. So those two medications tend to be a bit of a mainstay. Um, and then the, probably the more drastic option is, but perhaps curative option is um, is to use surgery. And, and you know, that, that sees the plaque removed from the penis. Um, and if we remove the plaque, you know, obviously we, we straighten the, the bend in the penis out. Uh, but look, for most men using the traction device, if they're committed, plus a couple of medications over the course of six months, um, you know, it does work wonders. Uh, but the compliance piece is really important. Absolutely. Well, that's great. At least there's some options there. Um, right. So, yeah, so there's, so we've kind of covered quite a lot of P words there, <laughs> Brad. So, we've, you know, prostate, <laughs> penis and Peyronie's. So I yes. think that's, um, yeah, a really good start for men's health um, and something to have a discussion about. You know, if you've got a man in your life, get them to listen in and, and hopefully, you know, just the education that you provided will help them to reach out and feel comfortable and confident that they're definitely not the only one um, experiencing symptoms that they may yeah. be having and there is help and there are options available and they shouldn't suffer in silence. Often and often I might, sorry, I might just interject. Often men say it's because I'm getting older and yes, um, it may be, but it need not necessarily be. So please, yeah. if, um, if any of the listeners have, have concerns about their erectile health, and that's the one that we do get a lot of questions on. It, it need not necessarily be age related. So please get in and talk to your doctor. Absolutely. Or your pharmacist, of course. Or your pharmacist, <laughs> indeed. Yeah. So Brad, what are your five indispensable tips then for men's health? Right. So my five indispensable tips are never be afraid to ask the obvious question. It, for, for some people, it might seem obvious, but let me tell you, it's rarely straightforward. Um, and, and, and the answer is never simple. So number one, never be afraid to ask the obvious question. Number two, you get what you give. So please try and be as open and as honest as possible with your healthcare team or pharmacist. Remember by sharing your experience, symptoms, um, how you feel, what's going on, you'll help us build our repertoire so that we can better help others. And certainly in my line of work with men's health, that's been a, a real way for me to develop in, in my in my practice space. So please share with your pharmacists so they can help others like you. Um, my third tip is that, and it's an, it's an old proverb, I think, but patients don't necessarily remember what you say, but they remember how you made them feel. 
And I think this is important because pharmacy has gone through a lot of change and it's really important that you find a pharmacist or, or you know, a pharmacy assistant or somebody that works in that community pharmacy that you can trust, that they make you feel welcome and valued and safe because that way when you do have a time of need and inevitably it will happen for everybody, you can then feel confident that your trusted pharmacist will be able to, they'll be there to help you. Um, uh, the, my fourth point is a medicine becomes a poison very quickly. Don't share them. You know, if you, if you're prescribed an erectile drug, don't share it with somebody else because it can become a poison very quickly if it's given to the wrong person. So go to the doctor and, and or pharmacist, make sure that's appropriate and, and don't share those medications. My fifth tip um, and probably my, my most passionate one is erectile health is, is part of who a man is and, and um, I think it's really important that if something doesn't seem right, we get it checked in a timely fashion. Men tend to suffer in silence and that, that's not the best option. It's an old school option, but you know, in today's society, men need to speak up. And um, if there's something wrong with your old fella, go and get him checked. <laughs> I love that. Thank you, Brad. Thank you so much for your, your information, your expertise. It's wonderful. And hopefully um, it inspires some men to reach out and get some help. So thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me, Anna. Indispensable contains general medicine and health advice and is not intended to be a substitute for professional individual medical advice. We endeavour to ensure it is accurate and up to date. However, we can't guarantee that it will always apply to you. Always seek the guidance of your pharmacist or other qualified health professional with any questions you may have regarding your health or a medical condition. This episode is brought to you by me, the Indispensable Pharmacist. Don't forget to subscribe to Indispensable and leave a review so we can help more people. Look us up on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and LinkedIn by searching for Farm Online. That's P-H-A-R-M Online. I'd love to hear your suggestions for the next topic to be covered on Indispensable. <laughs>